That's great to see all of you. We have you here with us. We're looking and, uh, at a series on the core values that we want to see fleshed out in our lives and fleshed out in the people that we influence as a church. And we did this around the acrostic for Christ. And so last week we started and looked at the word compassion. Because compassion is something we want to be noted for. Compassion is something that we want to develop in the people that we influence. The second letter, H, um, we've designated the word honor. And that's what I'm going to be preaching on this morning. And then there's R for responsibility, I for inspiration, S for scripture, and T for truth. The word honor, um, the core value honor, is something that is important for all, all of us. Uh, but I suppose this morning, uh, because being men of honor is something that has been almost all but destroyed in our American culture, um, and I just want to say that honor is something that has to be reclaimed in our culture. It has to be reclaimed uh, for the survival of our nation, for the survival and the health of Christianity in America. Honor has to be reclaimed and it has to be restored among us. Sergeant William Harvey Carney was the first African-American awarded the Medal of Honor. He was born a slave in, that, in Virginia, but eventually made his way to freedom in Massachusetts. When the Army Union began accepting volunteers, he joined the 54th Massachusetts Infantry Regiment the first African-American unit organized in the northern states, though it was led by white officers. That regiment, led by Robert Goldshaw, was tasked with taking Fort Wagner, a beachhead fortification that guarded the southern approach to the Charleston Harbor. There had been a previous attack on the fort that failed, and the 54th was chosen for the next attempt. As soldiers stormed the fort's walls, the Union flag bearer was killed. Kearney grabbed the flag and held it for the duration of battle. Kearney, along with the rest of the 54th, was forced to retreat. Throughout the battle, however, Kearney never lost possession of the flag, despite being beaten, shot at, all kinds of injuries, and he nearly lost his life. He never even let the flag touch the ground. Boys, he said, I only did my duty. The old flag never touched the ground, he said after the battle. He was awarded the Medal of Honor in 1900 for defending the flag of the United States. Well, what is honor? Honor is to be a person of high respect held in great esteem. You get honor for adherence to what is right and proper, to a, adherence to a conventional standard of conduct. Honor is a recognition for high moral worth and value, for accomplishing a great achievement, or for maintaining a special rank in life. And the main thought that I want to share with you this morning is this. What you honor will establish your own honor or lack thereof. 
The things that you honor, the things that you give honor to, will establish your own honor. Epictetus, a philosopher, wrote many years just by the quote, I have a lantern. You steal my lantern. What then is your honor worth no than the price? Another way to say that is that what you honor, he ended up becoming dishonorable. Another thing that we should note is that you cannot build on without humility. Because humility is required for every... 15 verse 33 says, The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom. Man's heart is proud. So how do you say some things that are really out of sync with our culture right now? Discipline is incredibly important. Parents, you will never, ever raise children of honor without disciplining them. It is impossible to do. And I'm of getting disciplined by the state or, you know, who, who knows who all if you discipline your children. And I'm not talking about child abuse, but I'm talking about some old-fashioned good discipline. If your child never gets said no to and never has consequences for their actions, you can count on the fact that they will not have any honor when they grow up. It is impossible for undisciplined children to grow up and become honorable adults. Absolutely, incredibly impossible. And I'll guarantee you all those rioters and protesters were raised without a slick of discipline. If you want honor, you have to be disciplined and you have to learn to discipline yourself. There is no youth that is going to become an honorable adult unless they develop the ability to discipline themselves and make themselves do things that they don't want to do, like show up to work on time. Like do their homework when it's time. If they can't depend to do things they don't want to do, they will never become adults of honor. Adults. We live in a culture where most adults, I mean, you, if you're running a business and you're trying to hire people today, it's an impossible situation to find people that even know how to work. And it's because we have raised people who have no discipline in their lives and have never been taught how to self-discipline themselves. So, you know, it's a free-for-all at work. There has to be discipline in order to create honor in a culture. Second thing, and related to that, is work. I kind of jumped ahead of myself. But children need chores, and they need responsibilities. And there needs to be consequences when they don't follow through. I mean, this is such common sense stuff, I shouldn't even have to say it. Teens need jobs, 
sports or music, something that they have to be accountable to, that they have to work at, that they have to discipline themselves with. If, if they're going to become adults who are honorable, those are the kinds of things that carry those things and make them. And, and they have to learn to work in situations that aren't all that great and still smile and be cheerful and be on time and learn to be content in less than ideal circumstances. And that is something that our culture has just pretty much lost today. But I'm telling you that as Christians, we must be the people who set the example in our culture. No one else is going to do it. If we don't do it, if Christians don't rise up and provide some honor in our culture, we are lost. And we will not survive as a culture unless Christians provide the way to honor in our culture. A third thing that we have to do to really develop honor is tackle challenges. There's a German proverb. It is little honor to the lion to seize the mouse. <laughs> we want everything in life to be easy. There is little honor to the lion if all he seizes is a mouse. We have to train our children. We have to train our teens. We have to model it as adults that when tough things come our way, we tackle those challenges. We don't back away and run for the hills. <laughs> There's a great quote, quote by Walter Lippmann. He has honor if he holds himself to an ideal of conduct, though it is inconvenient, unprofitable, and dangerous to do. That's that Sergeant Carney. I mean, it was not convenient for him to stand there and hold that flag. It was not profitable for him to stand there and hold that flag, and it was plenty dangerous. He about lost his life doing it. But if we want to produce a people that have honor, we have to be able to take on challenges and tackle them. Do you remember David? The Israelites were out there. He was 17 years old and he went to visit his brothers on the, the battlefield and, and Goliath was coming out every morning and shouting, <laughs> taking God's name in vain and whatever else. And, and he was out there shouting at the Israelites. And the, what did the Israelites do? Every morning they went out, listened to him rant and rave, and then they ran back to their tents and cowered and whimpered. David looked at that and thought, that's an uncircumcised Philistine. What are you guys running from? <laughs> and yes, Goliath was three, three times his size and all of that, but he didn't care. He went to King Saul and he said, when I was younger and smaller, there was a lion that came my way and I killed the lion. And then there was a bear and I killed the bear. That uncircumcised Philistine is not going to be any different. It was because David had built, even as a young man into his life, 
When a challenge comes, I don't run from it. I tackle it. And the only way to become people of honor is not to run from every challenge that comes our way and every difficulty that comes from our way. The way we become people of honor is by standing up and saying, God put this challenge in front of me. I must be the one to handle it. And I need to depend on him, but we are going to win this and take this challenge on, and we're going to conquer it. As long as you run back to your tent every time a challenge comes, you will not become a person of honor and respect. Another thing, if you want to become a person of honor, is you have to stand for real truth and real justice. George Washington said, the best and only safe road to honor and glory and true dignity is justice. Do you care about the unborn child? Do you care about people who are being trafficked, children, stolen, trafficked, for ungodly men to abuse? Do you care about injustice that happens throughout our society? If you want to be a person of honor, we can't always just be silent and quiet in the face of injustice, in the face of things that are simply wrong in God's sight. Another thing, if you want to be a person of honor, is you have to avoid anger and strife. You, I mean, you take your stand against injustice, but you avoid anger and strife. Proverbs 20, verse 3 says, It is to a man's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody who's got a hot head that has a reputation for honor. I don't know one person, and I'm getting to be an old man. I do not know one person with a reputation for having a hot head who is held in high honor. The last thing in developing honor that I want to mention this morning is that we simply have to put our trust in God. True honor, John Revere says, is an outflow from a heart that fears, and honors God. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 12 says, Wealth and honor come from you. <laughs> you are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all people. Psalm 62, verse 7 says, My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Psalm 84.11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lou Gehrig was a great baseball player, well-loved by many fans. He was nicknamed the Iron Horse. He was a strong and talented athlete. And he lived in a day when our sports heroes 
were people of great honor. Lou had honor through the discipline of sports that helped him to have honor in the greatest test of his life. He was struck, you know the story, he was struck by a slowly debilitating form of spinal paralysis. Some would have reacted to that with bitterness, some with despair. When Lou Gehrig realized that his, where his life was headed, he stood to give a farewell address to his fans in Yankee Stadium. He taught America about grace under adversity after listing the blessings of his life, his parents, his wife, his teammates, and his many good games. He said, I have been given a bad break, but I have an awful lot to be thankful for, an awful lot to live for. With all this, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Two years later, shortly before he died, he called a friend to share some news about a recent breakthrough that doctors had made in treating what came to be known as Lou Gehrig's disease. He explained that nine out of ten patients given a particular medicine had improved. His friend caught on to that real quick and asked Mr. Gehrig if he was one of the nine. And Mr. Gehrig replied, well, it didn't work on me. But how about that for an average? Nine out of ten, isn't that great? Today the disease is named after him. There was a man of great honor in the face of adversity.